Jesus, we turn our attention to you in worship. We sing these praises to you. We believe that uh, what you say is true, that you inhabit the, the praises of your people. And so as we have praised, uh, we have sensed you coming to dwell uh, in us and in this place. We're um, just a bunch of broken people who need you a whole lot. So we just acknowledge our, our deep need for you, God. Um, the places where we need, need your healing so badly. We bring before you our physical pain, our, our, our mental darkness, our emotional stuff. You know it all. We believe, Jesus, that you're king over this land, over this world, that you're, you're in charge. And so uh, this is a, a time of obedience for us, of submission to you, a laying down of our lives, and a crying out to you uh, for what only you can do. You're the, you're the one who has the power to help us. You're the one who has the, the power to get us through. You're the one who has the power to, to give us uh, you know, energy and hope and excitement for the future. So... We're here, gathered here, um, to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, to confess it with our mouths, to believe it in our hearts, and to be saved. And I invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer, which you'll see on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. I welcome you to Providence Church. Uh, we're glad you're here. We're thankful you're here. I want to welcome you. If you're a guest, uh, we're, just, we're just glad that you chose to come and worship with us today. You are most, most welcome. Also, I want to take this opportunity to welcome our online worshipers for this 930 service. Uh, we do not take it for granted uh, that you're with us and uh, just welcome you into the room, into our hearts uh, in this moment. I want to give an invitation to you for our Easter services uh, that will be taking place on Saturday, April 8th, and Sunday, April 9th. We have uh, those five services. We always make a special invitation to our regular attenders to join us on Saturday afternoon, evening, if you can do that. You certainly uh, don't uh, have to, or if you have family things where you need to come on Sunday, that's wide open. But just giving that invitation, we usually have 12 or 1,300 people come on Saturday, which is a huge help to the many, many people who come. So I offer that to you. And also just ask if you would go to prov.church slash Easter sometime in the next couple of weeks and let us know which service that you want to come to. It helps us prepare. Uh, it's a big preparation. It's a wonderful day and that helps us get, get ready for, uh, for Easter. It's really our, uh, probably our greatest weekend of the year where we celebrate the whole reason that we come here week after week after week after week. I want to share with you our scripture today. It's from Luke chapter 18. I'm very excited about uh, sharing this story with you. It's just captivated my heart. I, you might say that I'm whiteboard excited. That's how excited <laughs> I am. So I hope that you'll join me in the anticipation. But it's really just about hearing the word of God and hearing about who Jesus is. 
I sense that some of you are really um, longing to know more of who Jesus is, what kind of God this is, what it means for your life. And so I invite you to just pay attention to who Jesus is as we hear one of his stories. Luke chapter 18 says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's something we see in the Bible over and over. And today I'm going to call it uh, just simply, I want to see what I have not seen in a while. Okay. I want to see what I have not seen in a while. So think about maybe if there's something that was once present in your life, something that you once got to see a lot, experience, that you would say, I would really like to see that again. And what we're going to explore for a moment with these seeing things, with the story of the blind man, is spiritually uh, what Jesus might be inviting us into. In the Bible, we see many instances of people wanting to see what they haven't seen in a while. Uh, some of you know the story of the, uh, the Israelite people who were enslaved in Egypt. Well, they wanted to, they remembered a time when they were not slaves. And they wanted to see that again. And then they became a wandering people in the, in the wilderness. Well, they remembered, at least uh, historically among their people, they remembered a time when they had their own land. And now they had no land. And they said, we want to see that again. We want to see a time when we have our own land. That, those are kind of corporate understandings of it. There's, very, there's many individual examples of this. Uh, there's a story of a man named Jacob. He wanted to see his son Joseph again. He wasn't seeing him anymore. He was gone. He was dead. He didn't know what was going on, right? There are, there are stories of, of, of people wanting to, to see things that they had not experienced. Uh, Daniel was in the lion's den. He wanted to see the outside of it again. That may be what you want to see. I'm in a hole. I'm in a cave. I'm imprisoned. I'm in a lion's den. I would like to, I remember what it was like to be out of that. And I would like to see that again. The whole story of the Bible, it seems, is actually the people of God wanting to see uh, the Garden of Eden again. A time when God walked among them where there was no sin, there was no curse, there was no pain, there was no tears, there was no illness, there was no separation from God. And, there, and it's, the whole story, it's this, this longing to get, we were just singing about it, right? There, there will be a day when there won't be any tears. We're, we're saying, I want to see that. I want to see that in my time. I want to see that again. And so there comes from the people of God uh, in these moments a, a prayer. If you're longing to see something you haven't seen in a while, you're, you're going you're gonna to have something come out of your, your heart that's a prayer, or we might even just call it an ask. You're, you, we begin to pray, God, I want to see that thing in my life. You may have something right now that you're asking about. You know, I want to I see that. Um, and the word for this, what we are asking for when we're talking about, talking about this is something we've been talking about. The whole nation has been talking about it, actually, is revival. So we're like, I've heard revival is possible. 
Like revival says like we want to see something again. Like there was a revival and we want to revival it or something. I don't you know. It's like we want something again to happen. I was looking on the bookshelf in Mark and I's office this week. We still have all these big books from seminary where we trained. If you come in our office, you'll say, ooh, these guys are really smart and important. Um, that's why we keep the books in there. We don't really look at them that much. <laughs> but I was looking for a particular book to help me with this sermon. And instead, I saw this tiny book. Um, and I remembered what it was immediately. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Just this little book. It was uh, written about the revival at Asbury University. And you might think, how could there already be a book about that? You've heard about this revival in our land that started Asbury University. Well, the reason is it's not about the Asbury University revival of 2023. It's about the Asbury revival of 1970. And in 1970, there was a movement of God in our nation, the Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution. But a big part of that started at a place called Asbury University in 1970 and then up spreading to 130 different colleges and universities. And so the thing that happened at Asbury University in 2023 has happened before. People had been praying that it would happen again. But that wasn't the first revival at Asbury University. There was another revival at Asbury University in 1950. There were over 50,000 people who came to know Christ in 1950 through a little revival that started at a tiny university in Wilmore, Kentucky. But that wasn't the, the first revival at Asbury. The first one they can locate is in 1908. The, the students went to the chapel and they didn't leave for two weeks. They prayed over and over and over. And so what, what I'm saying is, is what we've been experiencing in our day has happened before. And sometimes we long to see, I told you one of my heart prayers, you know, for my life is like, I'd love to be a part of a movement of God. I'd love to see what I've heard other people seeing. And revival's at the heart of the Jesus movement, um, not the Jesus movement of 1970s, the Jesus movement as a whole. In Acts chapter 2, we read about how the birth of the Jesus movement happened in a day called, an event called Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit of God fell upon the disciples. It was a revival for sure. Crazy things were happening. They were praying in ways they hadn't prayed before. There was fire. There was wind. And here's how Peter seeks to explain, Peter, one of the disciples, explain the revival or this, this event. I'm calling it revival because the Holy Spirit was not brand new on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It was the Holy Spirit of God that had been there in creation. And so the, but the spirit of God had fallen again. So listen to these verses from Acts chapter 2. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. So what he's doing is there's this big crowd of people now. That's what happens when revival happens, when the spirit falls. He's trying to make sense of it. And so he says, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Uh, he first says these people are not drunk, as you suppose. So I guess that disclaimer needed to be there. I don't know who the people were. Uh, but he says, It's only nine in the morning. So that's his explanation for them not being drunk, okay? It's only nine in the morning. Some of you are like, that's possible. Uh, anyways, um, but he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. What, what's happening here? He is looking back to a time hundreds of years before when someone else was saying and describing what it's like when the Holy Spirit of God is poured out. Uh, in the prophet Joel, it says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, uh, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And so Peter is situating the context of this Holy Spirit outpouring to say, yes, this is unique. This is beautiful. But this is something that has been foretold, something that they've seen before. Um, what's happening before is happening again with us. I, I saw a picture of my daughter, Mary, this week. She's in college now. <laughs> 
Uh, but my mom sent me some pictures at like 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning. She was just, we just love our girls, right? And she was just sending me some pictures of them I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, so I'm, I'm in my pantry, like getting breakfast or whatever, and I get these pictures from my mom. She sends me this picture of Mary, uh, and I don't even remember where it was from. Or I think she's like five years old. My family would be like, she's seven and a half. That was when we were on vacation to wherever. I don't remember what the situation is. Um, but I remember that look. I remember that look. She had it all the time. And uh, I started crying. Parents, right? You know what I'm saying? She's in college. It's like, what the heck? And I just felt this thing. <laughs> Tuesday morning, 7 o'clock, I felt something. Joy, sadness, love, all mixed together. And uh, revival happens when we see something that we haven't seen in a while. And sometimes you're like, oh, man, I haven't seen that in a while. It's making me feel something. So that night, you know what I did? I drove four hours to spend one hour with that girl. I had no other choice. I was like, a road trip, right? Because when, when, sometimes when you feel something, you see something you haven't seen before, it, it moves you to do something. And some of, some of us, we want to be revived right now. Like right now. Like I have something I want to see again. And some of you are like, I have something I need to feel again. I haven't felt that. I haven't felt anything Revival is like when a heart unexpectedly stops beating. There is a finite amount of time where which some people can figure out a way to get that heart to start beating again. You only got a certain amount of time for which certain measures can bring that thing back to life. Uh, so we're going to call this spiritually, okay? We're going to call it seeing again. I don't know why sometimes it's really dark, sometimes it's not. I don't have to get this figured out yet, but uh, you're like, I can't read it. But anyways, um, so seeing again is not what happens in Luke chapter 18 with Jesus and the blind man. So just hang with me for a second. There's something else that we see biblically, and that is uh, I want to see what I have never seen before. Okay, that's a different thing. I want to see what I have never seen before. So this is, uh, you know, I want to see something again, but there's something out, there's a spiritual thing that happens sometimes where we say, I want to, I want to see something I haven't seen before. This is more rare because it's more rare for us even to think about seeing something we haven't seen before. That's a weird thing to, to, to like conjure up because you haven't seen it before. Right. But, and so what happens in, in this is, is less like asking for something and saying, oh, thanks, God, I appreciate that. It's more like a seeking, like spiritually, sometimes we're seeking after something that we haven't even experienced. We couldn't even put words to it. Some of you are in that place right now. You're like, I don't know why I've come here three weeks in a row, right? I don't know why I keep joining this online while I'm on my, you know, on my lunch break, but I, I feel that I'm, that I'm seeking. So we're going to call uh, the, the movement to see what you haven't ever seen before is more of a seeking and when you receive it, it's like a gift. And what I mean by that is this is like, man, we've been praying for revival. When the revival happens, we high five and say, we've been praying for that, right? This is like, man, I, I, I felt like I was going after something, but I didn't really know what it was. So it's really just like a gift of the spirit, a gift that I've received something uh, that I haven't ever, uh, ever, ever seen before. Uh, how many of you guys have seen the Grand Canyon, like with your real eyes, your, your eyes, you've seen it, right? A bunch of you have. You remember what it was like? I remember what it was like when I saw it in my early 20s. It's like, whoa, right? It sounds cliche, like a Grand Canyon, but when you get there, you're like, whoa, right? Your, your brain, for me, it's like, I got to find a new place in the brain 
to get these eyes to be able to process the depth, the color, the grandiosity of it, the scope. You know, it's like all those things that you're, you're taking in. And biblically and spiritually, that kind of experience of seeing something you've never seen before and, and beginning to process it and taking it in, this is called revelation. Revelation. When God reveals something to you, you're like, whoa, I got to get a new part of the brain to be able to figure that out. The Oxford definition of revelation is a supernatural disclosure. A supernatural disclosure. The supernatural is giving you something, showing you something, revealing. It's God saying, ta-da, and us saying, whoa. Okay? And there are many instances in the Bible when God says, ta-da, not literally, maybe in the Hebrew, but it's like God does something and the people of God say, whoa, or one prophet says, whoa, whoa, I got to take that in. God, uh, there's a story of Ezekiel and it says he lifted him up and sits him down in a valley, a valley of dry bones. But then the dry bones uh, are coming to life. It is a strange revelation. No one's ever seen anything like it before. Ezekiel's never seen anything like it before. And he has to take it in and figure out how he's going to share it. There's, a, there's another story of Daniel where Daniel interprets the dream of a king. But it's a really interesting story. Uh, the king has a dream. And he brings together all the soothsayers, magicians, dream interpreters of Babylon. And says, I need you to interpret my dream so, so that I can know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And they say, well, king, we don't even know what the dream is. He says, that's the deal. I'm not even going to tell you the dream. You got to figure out what the dream is and then interpret it. They say, no man on earth can do that. But Daniel does it. You know how? God shows it to him. God reveals the dream and then the interpretation. And he stands before it and they're like, what kind of man can do that? And Daniel says, this was not given to me by man. This was given to me by God. I'm, this is a revelation that I'm sharing with you. But revelations can also happen in more normal kind of ways. There's a scriptural story of a, a queen named Esther who was placed there. She was a Jewish queen in a time when the Jews were about to be killed. And her Mordecai, who's sort of her adopted father, speaks to her word and says, Esther, I believe that you're in this place for such a time as this to save the people, to save the people of Israel. And that is a revelation for Esther. It wasn't given by God. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a vision. It was something she heard from the mouth of someone that she loved, but it revealed something to her that her whole life was probably put in that place to save a bunch of people. So there's revelations that can happen for even the, the normal folks. Listen to this verse from Romans. Right before it, it says that God is going to reveal to his people his justice or even his wrath and talking about wicked times. And so Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, for what can be known about God is plain to them, them being the people, the people of God. In this instance, the Christians, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes. Imagine this. God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen or perceived. How? It's been shown to them ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So it's actually just saying in natural creation, there's ways to see and know cosmic <laughs> invisible attributes about God. What in the world are we talking about? God can show us things that we've never seen before. If you're like, I want to see something I've never seen before, God can do that. God can reveal that to you. We have people, you know, who go through things in their lives, maybe like in recovery, and they'll say there'll be this moment, a revelation that changes everything. And sometimes the revelation is, you know, God shows them. It's like, if, 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 you, if you don't stop this, you're going to lose everything. Well, they've been told that a thousand times. But sometimes God does a, a, a reveal, and you really see it finally with spiritual eyes. And it's a, it's a whoa kind of moment. Or, or you might have a moment in your life where it's like, I, I realize what, the, what these people are telling me. These people really love me and want to help me. You know, people are selling you stuff. You're like, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then something happens. It's a revelation. 
You're like, oh, they're telling me the truth. Or maybe a revelation from God to say, sometimes we hear from God, it's like, my mercy really can cover all of it. My grace really is sufficient. And you may have heard that before, but it can be a revelation in a moment if God reveals it in a way. And so this spiritually is what we would call seeing anew. These are some spiritual uh, ways of seeing, seeing something anew, seeing something again. But both of these things, or let me say, neither of these things are what happens in Luke chapter 18 with Jesus and the blind man. Okay. The man in Luke chapter 18 does not tell Jesus. Here's what he was asked. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he does not say, I want to see something again. And he does not say, I want to see what I have never seen before. Here's what he says. He says, I want to see. I know it, sound, it could sound like I want to see something again, right? Uh, we actually don't know if the man had ever seen before in his life or, or whatever. And I know that could be confused with I want to see something I've never seen before. But it's different. I want to show you. I believe that this is actually the spiritual longing of every heart. Not, not to see something again. That... that you know, that's like something super spiritual people want to do or revelation. This is, this is, I want to see, period. If you've seen something cool in your life, you would be like, I want to see that again. Or, uh, you know, if God reveals something to you, you'd be like, man, it's something to behold. I've never seen that before. It's a revelation. But what the blind man was saying, <laughs> he's saying, before I can see something again or before I can see something new, I have to be able to see I have to have the daggum ability to see. I can't do all this spiritual sight. I can't do any of the sight stuff when I'm laying on the ground. And so I want to see is more like a plea or a desperate cry. If, if you're in this place, you're, it, it's just going to come up out of you. I want to see. So let me read the scripture. Let me read the story uh, quickly again. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd go by, he asked what was happening. Why? Because he couldn't see. What's going on? What's the, what's the commotion? Who's coming through? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out. He couldn't help it. Jesus, son of David. He's trying to get his attention over the crowd. Have mercy on me. Those people who led the way rebuked him. They told the blind guy, be quiet. But he couldn't help it. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He, he had a desperate cry just from his heart. And Jesus stopped the whole deal and ordered the man be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. This is the miracle. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And guys, this uh, is what Jesus came to do. And uh, hang with me for just a few more minutes. It, it's not give great sermons. It wasn't to draw crowds in places like Jericho. And it wasn't even to work great miracles like making blind guys who couldn't see before see or uh, sick people healthy or people who couldn't walk, walk again. There's another word for it. And uh, 
what Jesus is, is introducing that he has the power to do, and it's called resurrection. And I know it, it, sounds, it sounds like a, a blind guy seeing, uh, but he's pointing to something. He's pointing to something else that he is up to, his true reason for coming. And resurrection is different from revival. It's different from revelation. It's making dead hearts beat again. What I mean by that is don't confuse this with revival, reviving a heart. You know, we're like, we got to act fast. We got to get this thing ticking again. No, resurrection is a cold, dead heart that's been in the grave coming back to life again. And Jesus is beginning to expose that he has the power to do this thing that no one other than God could be able to do because he is God. And it's, so it's not show me something new or show me something again. It's make these eyes work. And so uh, we'll call this one today just seeing, period, okay? <laughs> seeing, period. And the reason I think this is important to look at a few weeks before Easter as we get before the resurrection is to not miss that what the man was asking for was not any kind of spiritual sight. He was saying, my eyes don't work. Hank, okay? He's saying, my eyes don't work. And so even this morning, you may have, you may have gotten lost in this beautiful uh, whiteboard illustration because it's just like, man, I don't know. I, I don't even have the energy to talk about all this spiritual stuff. Revival? I'm not praying for a revival. I'm praying for my kid to be well. You see what I'm saying? You're like, I'm not praying for revelation. I, I, can't get, I can't get past seeing how bad my body's hurting. Humans in existence walking on earth have desperate cries and pleas that come from their guts, from their hearts when Jesus comes by. This stuff is awesome. I'm all about it. This has been one of my life prayers to be a part of a revival in my time. Man, I've prayed for it and I've prayed for it, but it's not the greatest, it's not the, it's not the highest prayer that you can pray because all I'm really praying is, God, I want to see something that some other people have seen. I want to experience what's been experienced before, which is a, is a wonderful thing, but it's a tip of the iceberg kind of prayer to pray for revival. I'm praying for it, by the way. I want to see it in our time, but there's more. And, and what we see is, is that God can do something even more, which is revelation. Revelation is being able to see new things. I'm excited about that. God, would you give us a new word? Would you show us a new thing in our time? Would you give, the, would you give dreams to the old dudes? Would you give visions to the young people? Revelation, that would be an incredible thing. But, but a lot of the time, what we're, where we're really at is right here. And what we really need is only, what only Jesus can do. And that's what comes in his resurrection. And he's pointing to it. He's pointing to it by telling that man in front of all the people in Jericho, I can make your eyes work again. He has the power to do it. But his ultimate purpose is to show us that he can make dead hearts come back to life. And so that I want to see is, uh, is just this um, core, simple cry of the heart of every human, every woman, every man. God, would you come and help me in my most broken place? All I, can, all I can see right now is my blindness. All I can see right now is my illness. All I can see right now is my grief. All I can see right now is my loss. All, all I can see right now is I'm the one on the ground while everybody knows what the crowd is about. And I have no idea and I have to ask, can somebody just tell me what's going on? And when you hear it's Jesus, just let it rip. Just let the cry out. Right? And Jesus questions, a beautiful question. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you, man? And he says, I want to see. And in getting his eyes opened, his eyes open leads to everyone's eyes being open to who Jesus is. They begin praising God. Here we are, 
2,000 years later telling the story of a guy who used to lay on the ground in Jericho because he had the audacity to let the cry of his heart come out of his mouth in the presence of Jesus. And so um, just as a way of expressing ourselves, we've been singing this simple chorus. Uh, Let's just sing, Jenny, will you lead us just in singing, Open Our Eyes. Let's sing together. As we hear Jesus asking this question, what do you want me to do for you? I just invite every heart, every soul uh, in the room or online just to kind of answer that question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? It feels like something we shouldn't even answer. You know, I can tell Jesus what I want. He's asking, what do you want me to do for you? And so we we open up our hearts to the things that are just really uh, core to, to us, deep in us to say, you know, whatever it is, you know, I want to, I want to be healed physically. I want help with my marriage. I want my child to be well. I want some light to shine in the darkness of grief. You know our hearts, God, we bring them before you. Miracle worker, Jesus, come and, and help us. Resurrect us. As we come to the table of communion, let it be a moment for us to receive Jesus, his body and his blood, body broken for us, his blood shed for us. And the last supper, Jesus took a cup of wine and bread and he offered it to his disciples. And so we receive this now as a sign, as a way of coming close to you, Jesus. Would you let us receive all of you, all of it in this moment? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.